You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrat Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the Torah of hope, the Sugyos of hope, as they emerge out of the Bate Medrashos to the Svarim HaKadoshim of different Sadiqim. And on a certain level, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week. And although these two Sadiqim are hemispheres away from one another, with no explicit or even implicit connection, at least in my mind, the Rebbe Rashab, as we ended last week, with the emphasis that's placed on the value of the feeling heart above and beyond the knowing mind, and not to chas say that it's coming to negate the value of the mind. Everything we said about the Rebbe Rashab last week is coming to show how the heart itself is as important as the mind, and that the heart, in fact, elevates the power of the mind, thereby showing that emotions and rationality are both fundamental, just for anybody who was struggling with that nakuda in my kind of description of the Rebbe Rashab. But with the Rebbe Rashab's emphasis of the heart and the feeling heart and the emotional experience and that effective experience of what it means to be a Jew in the world, it is quite possibly the perfect introduction to the tzaddik we're going to be discussing tonight, which is Rav Tzadok HaKohen of Lublin. Now Rav Tzadok HaKohen, it's almost like a pachad to even open the mouth to try and describe a sugya of Rav Tzadok because when a person learns the words of Rav Tzadok, you know, each, each part, each Torah, each os in a teaching, and sometimes the teachings go 20, 30 osios, each os demands such attention to detail because of the makoros that the Kohen was drawing from in Nigla and Nister and dikdukim in the language of Chazal, and a bakiyas in the Meforshe HaTanach. So on a certain level, when a person re- learns the Kohen, or when a person is exposed to the quote-unquote machshava of the Kohen, a person gets the picture almost as if it's just one fell swoop, as if it's this kind of grand narrative that describes very clearly a very neat worldview. But when a person zooms in, when a person actually zooms in on the particularities that the Kohen is utilizing, what one realizes is that every part of this beautiful canvas that Rav Tzodek Kohen paints is in truth something that demands such attention to detail. Because we're talking about a person who quite literally knew Kol HaTorah Kula backwards and forwards. Already in his youth, there was a story that Rav Tzodek HaKohen Milublin entered into a, a big rabbi's house and with a little bit of chutzpah. And this Rav saw what was going on and he said, you know, who are you to know the entire Shas? You must know the entire Shas if you're gonna be acting with such chutzpah. And Rav Tzadok responded, he said, I only know half of Shas. 
And this Rav responded, he said, okay, which half? And Rav Tzadik HaKohen responded, whichever half you choose. Now, it's not just apocrypha. When a person looks at the writings of the Kohen, a person realizes the grasp of the entirety of Torah. What's most unique about Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milablin, in my humble opinion, at least at the point of the Kohen's Torah that I'm feeling right now, is that in spite of the fact that Rav Tzadak HaKohen, in all of his teaching, was, was able to reach back to Harsinai, all the way into the abysmal depths of what Torah Shabal Peh has become. Nevertheless, the sheer volume, the sheer horizontal grasp that Rav Tzedek HaKohen Milablin was able to contain within his teachings never detracts from the depth of the teachings. There's a machlokas in Chazal as to what is more important, whether Bekiyas, a knowledge of all of the details, a knowledge of all the sugyos out there, and typically bederach shitchi on a certain external level, or amkus, or iyun, or the analytic depth that it demands to understand the sugya to the heart of the matter. And usually they're mutually exclusive. Either somebody knows all of the Torah, or a person has a specific place in the Torah that they're an expert in. With Rav Tzedekah there's a unity between Bekiyas and Iyan, between uprooting mountains, and collecting all of the ideas together. Because in spite of the fact that Rav Tzadok HaKohen Melablin is speaking with such a profound bekiyas, every point that he describes is filled with such an amkus, is filled with such a depth, and that it doesn't lose out on its vitality. That very few teachers of Torah, very few tzaddikim, in my humble opinion, have the power to move directly into the soul of the reader when they're writing. And Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milublin was one of these tzaddikim in the same group as the group of tzaddikim we spoke about last week, the Rabbi Rashab, the Lashem Shubhav HaChalayma, Rabbi Nosson of Nimerov. They were textual tzaddikim, not to diminish from other elements of their tzidkus, but these were tzaddikim who didn't have massive courts. They didn't have that role of rabbanus, but rather they had the blank piece of paper in front of them. And the pen became their method of exposing that Ruach HaKodesh that rested within their heart. The sheer volume of Rav Tzadok HaKohen's writings is, is almost mind-boggling. Um, so much was written, and so much is unpublished, and so much has been lost. But when a person looks at Rav Tzadok HaKohen's teachings, what comes across most powerfully is that in every point and every detail, there's something that awakens the heart of the reader. And Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milabin writes explicitly in numerous places that the Iker Hayahadus, the essential nature of what it means to be a Jew, what it means to be a person, is not the Moach, it's not the Neshama that rests in the intellectual grasp of ideas, but rather it's the Lave, it's the Ruach, it's the pulsating human heart that feels things, that is empathic to suffering, that is aware of the brokenness of things. That is the main mode of encounter that the Jewish individual and that the human being will have in terms of their encounter with God in this world. The Nakuda that we're going to be speaking about tonight in terms of hope when it comes to Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milublin is the definition or the experience that Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milublin describes in what it means to be a human being in the world. There are certain tzaddikim who describe an ideal state of things. 
And if you're not living up to that ideal state, then you're not worthy on a certain level of finding yourself within the teachings of that tzaddik. And then there's Tzaddik Akoin Melublin, who, as he paints and depicts this worldliness, or what it means to experience life in this world as a subject, as a modern subject, Rav Tzaddik Akoin Melublin's teachings are profoundly relevant, incredibly relevant as my good friend David Bashevkin, Rav David Bashevkin has pointed out in terms of even the possibility of rehabilitating certain elements of Jewish experience through the teachings of this tzaddik who lived and basically functioned in an attic in Lublin after he had found his teacher before taking part in any communal leadership. That somehow these words written Baruch HaKodesh so long ago, of Tzedakah Koin Lublin passed away in 1900, are still so incredibly relevant. And I believe that one of the reasons they're so relevant is that Rav Tzaddik HaKoyen Lublin doesn't pretend to paint a picture of an ideal world, but rather Rav Tzaddik HaKoyen Lublin gives us a world that is real. It's not ideal. It's a world that has undergone a certain breaking. It's a world view that has undergone a certain diminution from its original status. It's a world that has already and always already been removed from that ideal atzili form. Rav Tzodak HaKohen Milublin's Torah is a Torah that takes place after things have broken, after the Shira Saluchos. Rav Tzodak HaKohen Milublin is not nearly as interested in the first set of Luchos, that perfect Torah that is given over to the Jewish people. He's much more interested in the Shivrei Luchos, in the second set of luchos and the fact that the first set of luchos were broken. And it's really out of these broken shards of the first set of luchos that Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin begins to paint for us the experience of what it means to be a Jew and what it means to encounter the Torah as a Jew. And what we're going to try and show tonight is the hope that ascends specifically out of the fact that the world is already broken. Like we've said in the past that when the Zohar HaKadosh describes Shvira Takelim, this traumatic breakage of all Kalim that gives birth to reality, that is not some mistake that takes place because God messed up Chas V'Shalom. It's not as if God had planned for a perfect world and then something went wrong, the instruction manual was faulty, and therefore we find the world that we have as a secondary option. But rather built into the very fabric, or for Rav Tzadok, because we're dealing with a textual system, built into the very texture of existence, built into the very letters and the words, or the book as we're going to see of existence, is the reality that existence should appear in a state of already having been broken. Very much like we've been discussing throughout in this series of Shiraman Hope, that hope is only born out of that kav, from the Lushan of Kivoy, which takes place after the Tzimtzum, after Hashem has constricted himself and removed himself. Now, Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin has a famous statement, a relatively famous statement, and this is, in, this is going to be in and I just want to read it inside because it's such a powerful teaching. And then we're going to enter into the Hakdamos that we're going to be learning. Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin says as follows, and this is in Machshavos Charutz 
Os Yud Aleph, and Os Tes. And the language of writing, the language of engraving, the language of textual manifestation is shaykh in everything. That even when it comes to a book of speech, even when a person is speaking, it's still appropriate to refer to it as ksiva. And even when a person is thinking, it's appropriate to say that that is as if a person is writing. Because in truth, actual writing is a roshem me'osios ha'machshava hanikarim mitaychamaisim. That speech is simply a trace of an original language that was taking place in our mind. V'chein kabalti, and I have received. Now it's hard. When Rav Tzadok says shamati kuli amalo pligi, that it was a teaching that he heard from his Rebbe the Meishiloach, Rav Mordechai Yosef. I don't know if there's a distinction here, but I have received this. Okay. That the entire world is a book that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has written. And the Torah that we have is an explanation of sorts on this book that the world that a Kaddish Baruch Hu created is not some original manifestation, but it's already a secondary expression. It's already a book that has been written down. It's already something that has descended away from its pristine state in the thought of God, Kav Yachol, And it has already gone through those various stages of diminution and constriction to emerge as a book. Now, our job is not to pretend that our lives are the thoughts of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in the ideal state, but rather to recognize that we are but the book of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We're already a few steps removed from the original plan of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But for Rav Tzadak HaKohen Me'Lublin, that is the birthplace of what it means to be a Jewish person. Rav Tzadak HaKohen Me'Lublin expresses very poignantly in numerous places that the animating feature of what it means to be a Jewish individual or what it means to be a human being or a subject is to live with death awareness, is to live with the very possibility that things will end, is to live with that anxiety that things won't last forever, that things are not going to continue as they are going right now. And there's a certain hopelessness that is born out of that reality. There's a certain fear that comes about when a person recognizes the limitation of their experience. And what it gives birth to is a certain feeling of pain. Rav Tzadak HaKohen Melobin writes in the first teaching in Rasise Laila. This is a teaching that we've utilized before. V'oilam hazeh, this world kulo tirda is a world of difficulty, is a world of distraction, is a world of being bothered. And therefore, Nikra Yom Hamisa Batamud Noyach Nafshe, Shenoyach Metirdaso. Chazal have a language when it comes to death, when it comes to expiration, of their soul found comfort. Why? Because this world is a world of difficulty, this world is a world of struggle, this world is already a few steps removed from the ideal state. Ki Adam Yulad. 
And the purpose of the individual is to struggle. And therefore, the Gemara in Yerushalmi says, Anna kavanis, that for my entire life, I haven't had proper attention. I haven't been able to have kavana properly. Why? Because tirda, because being bothered, or that human condition, huhepecha kavana, is the exact opposite of what it means to have attention. Ulachain, and therefore, efshar kavana shleima ba'ilam hazaklal. It's impossible for an individual to have true attention or directedness of the mind in this world. Where of Sadok, the entire world is a world of distraction. The entire world is a world of losing hope. It's a world where we hope for things to go a certain way. And then ultimately, reality shows us that the world is not going to go that way. It's what Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin quotes so often, that Oilam Meloshon Ha'alama, that this world comes from language of concealment, or that our world is an Alma de Shikra. Our world is a world of non-truth, of duplicity, of concealment, of struggle. For Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin, it's not a Chiddush. His life story on a certain level led him, if one could say such a thing, to this understanding of the Torah. For of Sadaka Koin Milblin, who was born into a Lithuanian family, somebody who studied very deeply the texts of the Gra and his students, in particular the Nefshachayim, as it's seen in the Shailas and Shuvos that he wrote from his earlier years. After struggling with relationship, after making a difficult decision of seeking out a divorce from his first wife, Rav Tzodok HaKohen Meleblin embarked on a journey to find a Heter Meir A difficult story, a painful story, but it's specifically this wandering, it's specifically this Geirushin, this moving outwards from his place of comfort that leads him to find his Rebbe. The story goes that Rav Tzodok HaKohen Meleblin would wander from town to town impressing and surprising the Rabbanim and the Tzadikim with his Gaonis, Famously, he sat with the Ragachav Ergon as well, who was impressed by his Gaonis, which is saying a lot when it comes to the Ragachav Ergonalenu. Until finally, Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin arrived in the town of Ishbitz. And that's where Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin said, I have found my Rebbe. He found the Meishiloach. And for as long as the Meishiloach lived, Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin, along with his very close friend and colleague, Rav Lebele Eger, they sat and they were Mashamish, their Rebbe. And Rav Tzadok, the story goes, would stand in back of the Meishiloach as he was giving over Torah, and he would point out the different Makoros of where that Torah of his Rebbe was coming from, because of his Gaonis, because of the knowledge he had of his Torah. But it's not a surprise that Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin saw the world as a secondary state of experience, as a place of difficulty, as a place of struggle. Because in Ishbitz, that's what the teachings were. In Ishbitz, the basic recognition, the birthplace of what it meant to be a spiritual individual was to come in contact with that very basic fact that life is hard. That that it would have been easier for a person not to have been born than had they been born. And as the tzaddikim of Ishbitz and Radzin point out so precisely, Chazal don't say mutav la'adam. Our rabbis don't say that it would have been better for an individual to have not been born, but rather they say it would have been easier for a person not to be born, implying that even though it's difficult and even though life is hard, and even though 
every experience of life is on a certain level only perceptible because of our awareness of death. Nevertheless, that is the place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to find him, specifically in the broken luchos, specifically in the written book of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as opposed to the revealed thoughts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The teaching that I want to try and utilize tonight about hope for Rav Tzadok HaKohen Melublin very often I speak in guzma, I speak with, um, with a certain level of exaggeration because of my excitement when teaching these ideas. But when I say that this is one of the most important teachings that A, I have ever learned and ever found, and B, it is a teaching that I continuously find myself returning to in particular moments in my life. And this has been about 10 years since I've seen this teaching and started trying to teach a little bit about this teaching. And even what we discussed tonight, and I'm cutting the introductory comments short because I want to give attention to this teaching, even with the time given to this teaching, it's nowhere near enough. There are books that can be written on this teaching. There are precedents and worlds of meaning-making that emerge out of a teaching like this that offer such a vast potential of what it means to be a modern subject in the face of a chaotic world. This is a sefer called Lakute Ma'amarim, and it is going to be Inyan Shimshon. Now, it's not by chance that it's Inyan Shimshon, because Shimshon, as the model, the archetype of Shevet Dan, is that individual who represents hope, that individual who represents the possibility of light emerging specifically out of dark places. And not only a light that emerges out of a dark place, but a light that could not have taken place without the darkness. When it came to the bracha that Yaakov Avinu wanted to give Dan, the bracha was, kivisi Hashem. And Rashi already points out that Yaakov saw the story of Shimshon, Hatzad, of Shimshon HaNazir, of Shimshon HaGibor rather, and he expected Shimshon to be Mashiach. The entire sugya of the Shevet of Dan, the entire sugya, especially in the teachings of Rav Tzadok, is that Dan is on one level the lowest of the Shvatim, that Shevet that was caught with Avodazara, that Shevet that had fallen away from the faith of its youth, that Shevet that had sinned and transgressed and messed up. But nevertheless, this was the Shevet that followed Bnei Yisrael at the rear, collecting lost objects, as if saying to the Jewish people, yes, you may find yourself lost in this world. Yes, you might find yourself bewildered and without direction and spit out of the protection of godliness, spit out of the Anane HaKavod. But nevertheless, everything that is lost shall return. That which is repressed will come back again. And not only will it come back again, but it will come back as the Evan Hapina of Evan Maasu Habainim Haisal Roshpina, that despised stone, that which appeared to be so forgotten and bewildered and lost and unretrievable or irretrievable, is ultimately going to be shown to be that part of ourselves that is the deepest. Because that part of ourselves which is irreducible that part of ourselves which goes through all sorts of negation and difficulty, yet still survives like Shevet Dan, like the Koyach of Shimshon, that can only be illuminated through the power of hope, Hashem, 
That is what Dan, that is what Shimshon, and that is ultimately what Rav Tzadak HaKohen Meleblin was coming to teach the Jewish people. That even though the world is not ideal, even though things have broken and shattered into a million little pieces, nevertheless, yesh en yan And that thing which transforms everything back to reality, as we're going to see, is hope. Rav Tzadak says as follows. And this is on page 166 in the Machon Har Habracha editions. Um, and it's going to be in Os, Chafbez, and Chafgimel. Rav Tzadak HaKohen Milublin says as follows. Kimidas HaTzimtzum, the midah of Hashem's constriction in this world, the reality of Hashem appearing in a world that is devoid of the animating light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is only raklet samsem ulahagvil ezadavar. Simsum only comes when it's coming to constrict something. But Simsum doesn't mean that there's nothing there. Rather, Simsum is the constriction of something that is still there. If that's the case, that Simsum is coming to constrict something, what's it constricting? Rak me'achar shahaya bahem or v'nishbar. Rav Sadok is saying that since in the original plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way that he wanted to create the world prior to that shattering, there was light there and then it broke. Kol makom sheyesh or, every place that there was once light, nishar rishimu mimenu kiyadua. That if light was once presence, there is a trace, there is an irreducible remainder of that light even though that light has departed. The same way Chazal have told us in Parshas Vayetze that when a tzaddik, when something righteous leaves a town, it leaves an imprint, it leaves a trace. But what is that trace? That trace is not the presence of that holiness, but rather the trace is shenikar shechaser, that a person is aware that the holiness that was once there is now missing, is now lacking. That wouldn't have been the case if there was never a tzaddik there, if holiness was never there. There would be no sense that holiness is missing. And so too regarding this matter. Light is an analogy, is a metaphor, for drawing God down into our personal lives. And that means each and every one of us according to our own level. That the awareness that the light of God is missing from the world and missing from our lives is already a certain level of grasping the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The awareness that we have of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world emerges out of the questioning that we have about where Hashem is in the world. The fact that we say Hashem is not here right now is the biggest proof that Hashem was here. And if Hashem was here, that means Hashem is still here. 
because anytime holiness is present, there's an irreducible trace. And Rav Tzadok says, therefore, contemplating the brokenness of the world gives birth to a certain level of grasping godliness. It turns out, says Rav Tzadok, that the grasp that we have of godliness and holiness and purpose and hope in our lives and in this world comes from the broken vessels themselves as a result of the fact that we're aware that in these broken vessels, God's light is lacking. And if we're aware of that lack, that is already an awareness of godliness. And this, says Rav Tzadok, v'zehu sod hanitzotzen. This is the secret of the sparks of divinity that populate the world and that animate the world. Shebahem v'etzlam begolus, that are in exile and hidden in exile in this world. V'chol ha'avodah l'ha'aloysem l'mala. Our entire job in this world is to look at a world that appears to be devoid of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that appears to be vacant of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to elevate the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that is hidden in that concealment. Perush, says Rav Tzadok, what this means is, Shekoyach oisem hakelim hukoyach hatsimsum. That the power of these vessels in our lives or our experience in this world as a secondary experience, as a concealed experience, it is from the strength of the tzimtzum. And from the absolute concealment of the light of Akadosh Baruch Hu. But there is concealed within the concealment a trace, a remainder of forgotten. Essence, that it is abundantly clear to us that Hashem is absent from our experience. And this awareness of God's absence is in and of itself a trace of the original presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That once a person is already aware that Hakadosh Baruch Hu's light and hope is absent from our lives, Yodeya Umasig Sheesh Or Hashem Yisbarach. A person is already operating within the place where they're aware that there is something called the light of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. V'zehu Harishimu Me Or Hashem Yisbarach Shabahem. And that awareness that emerges by way of concealment is in and of itself that irreducible trace of Hashem's light. And now Rav Sadaka Cohen is giving us an insight into what this means, what it means for us as individuals living in 2020 in a world that appears to be devoid of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The way that we elevate this Roshem, the way that we elevate this concealed hidden remainder and trace of godly presence when a person begins to contemplate in their heart this concealment, they're bittered by this. They murmur about it. They wonder to themselves, where in the world is HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How in the world are things going to be transformed from darkness into light? 
to the point that through this murmuring and through this embitterment and through this hopelessness itself, that our awareness and our bitterness and our hopelessness that we experience when we look at the world and we see how devoid it is of the animating light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that bitterness, that bitter contemplation that we go through, that anxiety that the person goes through, that in and of itself leads to the revelation of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, each person according to their own subjective level. Specifically after the profound level of concealment. Because a person is masim lev When a person allows themselves to look at the world in all of its hopelessness, in all of its apparent brokenness, in all of its apparent unreasonableness, in all of its apparent darkness, and says, this is not the way that the world was meant to be created. This is not the way things are supposed to be. But rather, rak kol pa'al lemanehu lekiluso but rather all of existence should be screaming out the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at that point, at that point, out of that bitterness and that murmuring and that anxiety and that fear and that hopelessness of a world that appears to be some secondary experience that is devoid of the animating light of God, that awareness of hopelessness itself, we come to find the hope that animates it all. And a person moves from concealment into revelation. This is what it means to elevate broken sparks out of the shattering of the vessels. Rav Tzadak HaKohen Meleblin continues. This is also true with the Guf HaAdam with the subjectivity and the physical experience that a human being has in this world. So what Rav Sadduk is saying to us is that don't think that this is just some abstract Kabbalistic idea. This is an embodied phenomenological reality for each and every person, no matter where they find themselves. That kfar hu yodeya kazeh. That the body and our experience and our effective presence in the world is aware of this concealment. We already know that the way we look at the world, the hopelessness that we see in the world, is not the way things are supposed to be. And here Rav Sadok says, what does knowledge mean? Perush hargasha, a feeling, an emotional experience. How it could be that the world appears to be so hopeless. And at that point, the person becomes aware that within that hopelessness, within that sabrachankite, within that darkness, there's an animating light that is still there by way of a trace. Because a person comes to recognize that in every step that we take, in every action that we experience, if it appears to me at this moment that the light of God is absent, or that this is a dead, broken experience, at that moment, I'm able to contemplate deeply enough, I'm able to be present to the tzibrachen kite enough and to realize there can't really be anything that is hopeless. There can't really be anything that is devoid of the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu might not be apparent in the way that it was originally, 
but there is a trace, there is a rishimu, there is a, an irreducible mark that holiness leaves in its place. And it is only through questioning the absence of light that I come in contact with the fact that even in darkness, there is an irreducible trace of light. And by contemplating that Roshan, by contemplating the fact that a trace always remains, through introspection, I can return back to the awareness that no, Hashem is still here. That even in the darkness, even in those things that appear to be devoid of hope completely, it's specifically my awareness of that difficulty that gives birth to the transformation, to the elevation, so that my awareness of hopelessness on a certain level and the murmuring that takes place within my heart as the result of contemplating hopelessness is in and of itself that which becomes the ladder for me to realize that there's always hope here. There's always hope, no matter what. Rav Tzadak HaKoyen Meleblin describes this in a very powerful way with regards to the individual and their tshuva. That for Rav Tzadak HaKoyen Meleblin, very few tzaddikim give so much room for a person to fall away from holiness. Very few people give such credence to the reality that as human beings, we're going to mess up. We're going to fall. Rav Tzadak HaKoyen Meleblin quotes in Priyat Tzadik, the famous Medrash, that when a Kaddish Baruch Hu comes to Adam Arishon, and he says, Adam, did you screw up here? Achalta? Did you eat from the Eitz Hadas? Did you sin? Did you mess everything up? Did you cause a destruction? And Adam Arishon responds, Achalti v'oichel od. Not only have I eaten it, but I'm going to eat it again. Because that's the human condition. The human condition is part and parcel of that failure or failure is part and parcel of the human condition. But, but for a tzaddok, that fallenness, that reality that we fall and that we sin, again, as David Bashevkin points out in his book, Synagogue, so deeply rooted in the teachings of the Meishiloach and Rav Tzaddok HaKoyin Meilublin, that the falling is what enables us to reveal the doubled power of light, that even in hopelessness, there is a hope that abides and remains. Rav Tzadok says something amazing on a very particular Gemara. The Gemara in Sanhedrin discusses how kol Yisrael yeshlam chelak loylam haba, that the Jewish people will always have hope. They'll always have a place in oylam haba. They'll always have a reason to hope towards redemption. And then the Gemara goes on to list a few individuals who are not shayach to hope, who are not shayach to oylam haba. Almost as if hopelessness was a possibility, chas v'shalom. Almost as if the loss of hope actually could create destruction. But then the Gemara goes on and it says, but Dorshe Rishumos come along, and they say that even those people that Chazal said have no place in Olam Haba, they also have a place in Olam Haba. And Rav Tzadok HaKohen Meleblin asks, at least four times in his Sefer on Tshuva, Takanas HaShavim, he asks it in the beginning of Indian Shimshon as well. Who are these Dorshe Rishumos? Who are they? These anonymous rabbis in the Gemara, this opinion that says no matter how far gone a person is, they still have a chelik and Olam Haba. And what Rav Tzadok says is that these are the people who are willing to be Doresh the Roshan. Those tzaddikim who recognize that even when light dissipates, even when hope loses hope, 
there will always be an irreducible trace, a remainder, because holiness can never truly depart. And those who are willing to be doirish l'roshem, those who are willing to look deeply into that irreducible trace, which remains very quietly underneath all of the darkness, buried within the heart of Shevet Dan, as they're kicked out of the Anane HaKavod, as we find ourselves on the brink of hopelessness, it's the Dorshe Rishumos who come along and they begin to examine the trace. They begin to look at that irreducible trace. They begin to listen to the murmuring bitterness of our hearts over the apparent absence of God. And they say that that bitterness, that apparent awareness of the absence of God is the biggest proof of Hashem's presence. And even those people who appear to be foregone and lost and geferlich and with no hope whatsoever, it's specifically these people who are going to teach us the true power of hope. Those are the Dorshe Rishumos, those who are willing to look into the depths of that trace. What Rav Tzadok is trying to say, or at least what I want Rav Tzadok to be trying to say to me, is that hope sometimes can only be born out of hopelessness. It can only be born out of the recognition of looking around at the world and saying to oneself, this pashit cannot be the way things are supposed to be. This cannot be the design that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had for the world. There needs to be something deeper. This is a teaching that is expressed very powerfully by his Rebbe, the Meshiloach, in Parshas Lech Lecha, about the questioning heart of Avram Avinu which becomes the birthplace of ethical monotheism, the very nature of questioning God's absence. Because questioning already implies the belief that there should be something there. And what Rav Tzadok is saying is that the belief that there should be something there, which creates within ourselves that existential despondency over the fact that it's absent, is in truth what awakens the irreducible hope within the individual. Because for Rav Tzadok, it's only when we engage our own most subjectivity, the deep human condition that all of us are cut through with, that we can reveal our particular os in Torah, that irreducible trace of holiness that exists, not in spite of darkness, but precisely because of darkness. In 1876, Rav Tzadok had a dream on Friday night, Shabbos Chazon. The week prior to Tishabov, the week prior to the annihilation and destruction of holiness. And Rav Tzadak HaKohen Melublin writes that in that year, what I dreamt in 1876, it's the only dream that Rav Tzadok had that year. Ki echad kodesh haya'omer, a certain holy thing, a, a, a holy person, a holy angel, whatever it may have been, told me. That there's no possibility of being aware of life, of hope, of all of the synonyms that we can use to describe what that means, except when there is an existence of its opposite, when there is an existence of death, of hopelessness. Like the Sefer Yitzira says, and this is a gloss that Rav Sadduk wrote afterwards after recording his dream, that evil and difficulty allows for goodness to be pronounced. 
that without darkness, light would have no partition, light would have no limitation, light would have no boundary to be recognized. Vahainu. And Rosado continues and he says, this is why the Jewish people receive the Torah and not the angels. Because the angels, they have no reality of death, and therefore, and because they have no possibility of hopelessness, they have no possibility of hope. Because death doesn't exist, there's no sense of life. And therefore, they have no shaykhs to the Torah. They have no shaykhs to what the light of God means in this world. And then Rav Tzadah continues and he says something remarkable. He says, shamati. And here he's quoting from the Ishbitzer. Shamati is the Ishbitzer. But this is special because he's not only quoting from the Ishbitzer, but he brings a story, a mushal that the Ishbitzer used to enforce this teaching. shamati, I heard. That the light of holiness is not pronounced, does not ascend, is not shown in a precise form, except when there is the existence of its opposite. Like we've been saying that hope doesn't exist without hopelessness. The Amor Sipor And Lefianias Daiti, what he's saying is that the Ishbitzer told the story as a support of this which is already enough to be mitmale the neshama with a chayas, to see how the Ishbitzer was giving over Torah. That not only did the Ishbitzer give over his Torah, but he told a story to show his Torah. And the story that the Ishbitzer told is as follows. Me'echad kadosh, from another holy one. Again, the beginning of the dream was, shamati me'echad kadosh. I heard from a certain holy one. So perhaps they were talking about the same holy one. The same necessary station on the road towards spiritual development. That there was a story told about a famous holy person who used to utilize his Ruach HaKodesh, his divine inspiration, to look at wine, to look at barrels of wine, and he would say, this is kosher and this is asr. This is allowed and this is not allowed. And there was one time, Pamachas Ta'u, that the Hevra who were trying to see this power made a mistake that he viewed bakbuk shall made dvash. And they brought a barrel of mead, they brought a barrel of honey, honey beer. Shasavru sehu yayin. And they thought it was yayin. Baharulo, and they showed it to him. The Ammar and this kadosh said, Ein roa boshum iser. I don't see anything wrong with it. There's no darkness here. Avalgam or hakashras ein mavfik boy but the light of kashras, the light of holiness, is also not shining out of this, as I typically find by kosher wine. And this kadosh also didn't know what was going on. And perhaps he thought that there was some problem with it. And afterwards they made it known that it was mead, that it was honey beer. V'amar, and he said, that since there's no possibility of it being forbidden here, of it finding itself in darkness or concealed or limited, that so too its holiness is not expressed. It's not defined. 
Kamoshiesh, but also Metzius Isser, as if it would be by something that could possibly be Usser, but is revealed to be holy. What Rav Tzadak HaKoyen Melblin is saying is that light is only pronounced, hope only becomes a real thing when a person encounters hopelessness, when a person encounters the possibility of a loss of hope. And for Rav Tzadok, this is not a bidyeved. This is what it means to live in the world. When a person looks at the world and feels those pangs of hopelessness, it's specifically there that a person can say to themselves, because I feel hopeless right now, because I feel like the way that things are going, there's no hope, and then I'm bothered by this, that itself is the birthplace of hope because there is an irreducible trace of, hopeless, of, hope, of hopefulness. There is an irreducible trace of light that exists underneath the darkness because of the darkness. And for Avtsadok, this is the avoida of the Dorshe Rishumos, to be the individual who seeks out the trace, who goes into the broken ruins of the original tablets and finds the residual holiness that exists there not in spite of destruction, but because of destruction itself. Be'ezrus Hashem, what we're going to discuss next week is going to be a tzaddik who is incredibly close to my heart, the Leshem Shabayva Achalayma, Rav Shlomo Yashiv, whose face we've been looking at for whoever has been joining me. And we're going to see how for the Leshem Shabayva Achalayma, hope for a future, hope for fixing, is in truth simply a hope to return back to the place where we came from. That the future is nothing other than the past beginning that we're trying to recapture in our experiences. And Bezra Sashem will see what the Lashem Shoeva Chalayma has to say to us about what it means to find hope, specifically in a place that appears to be hopeless. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.